0: Good morning.
1: Hey. Good morning. How you doing? Pretty good. That's good. Good morning. good morning. Wait a minute. Try it again. There you go. Nope, it didn't.
2: There we go. Thank
1: you. You're welcome. I think, I think the best part about my job is that you get to look into each student's face. And you can kind of tell if somebody's not doing too good or if they're really, really doing great. Like a lot of times, I'll pull them to the side and I'll say, is everything okay? And sometimes they'll say yes when it's really not okay. And they'll walk away, then they'll come up on their way out and they'll say, thanks for asking. But, you know, they might be struggling with a test or Mm -hmm. struggling with their finals, you know. So I think that's the best thing. You can look into their face and kind of tell what's going on with them. Especially the freshmen. You really got to keep your eye on them because, you know, this is their first time away from home. You too. Have a good one. See you later. This is their first time away from family. They really don't understand. Good morning. How
2: you doing? They really don't understand anything. So you got to keep your eye on them. I'm sitting with Yolanda Barnes at the front desk of one of 13 undergraduate dining halls at Yale University. It's 10 a.m., which means it's the breakfast rush for those brave college souls who managed to make it out of bed before noon.
1: I started at Yale, it was around 1989. Mm -hmm. I was still in high school.
2: Yolanda sits on a high stool behind a podium, right inside the front entrance to the dining hall. Basically, when you walk into any dining hall at Yale, the first thing you see is this podium with a computer and a card reader. The person who sits behind the podium is in charge of making sure that each student that walks in swipes in and pays for their meal. It's clear, though, that to Yolanda, the job is much more than that.
1: The cook. Or whatever, they'll, they'll joke about how many times I say good morning, or how many times, you know. Yeah, And I, I said, was about to joke about that. <laughs> <laughs> and I say, you know what, I do. But you got to make each person feel like, you know what I mean? Good morning, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm good, thank Hi. you. How you doing today? Good. good, thank you. You're welcome, have a good one. You got, you just, and, and it's, it's weird but it's not to me, you know,
2: (laughs) And and I do say it a lot. Yolanda works at Grace Hopper College, one of 12 residential colleges at Yale. It's actually recently been renamed from Calhoun College, but we're gonna talk about that more later. Before we go any further, I think I just need to give a quick overview of the residential college system at Yale. Before they start their freshman year, the 1,400 incoming students are randomly assigned to a residential college, making each one a microcosm of the Yale community. You know that scene from Harry Potter where a creepy, magical hat is placed on each child's head? When
3: I call your name, you will come forth. I shall place the sorting hat on your head, and you will
2: be sorted into your houses. Well, it's kind of like that except instead of a hat deciding your fate, a computer algorithm does. At Yale, each residential college has its own dining hall, filled with long, beautiful wooden tables, hanging chandeliers. Just like in Harry Potter, the dining hall serves as the epicenter of the community. But unlike in Harry Potter, Yale's dining food does not just appear with the snap of Dumbledore's finger. Your attention? Let the feast begin. Without the Yale Dining employees, none of this would be possible. That was Daniela Chemerinsky, and in today's episode of Undergraduate Admissions, she is going to take you behind the scenes of Yale Dining, an entity that all students visit on a daily basis, yet often know the least about. We'll follow some of the people responsible for feeding 5,453 hungry students, 5,453. There's Yolanda, who you just met, there's Neff, one of the youngest worker who designs his own clothing, there's Shafrana, a dining manager, and there's Corey, who made national headlines last year. This is episode 7 dinners, dining halls, and dedication.
0: Uh, I'm originally from right here in New Haven. been a citizen most of my life, as- excluding my college years where I went away to Virginia. I graduated from Virginia Union University.
2: That's Corey Menefee. He's been working at Yale as a dining employee for eight years. He's actually the employee that I most wanted to talk to because, well, he's kind of famous on campus. But we're going to get to that later. I was sitting with two of my friends at Patricia's, a diner in New Haven. And I was just telling them about how nervous I was to have to barge in on Corey while he was at work, just to ask him to do an interview with me. And as I was going on and on about how he might say no and how I really wanted to talk to him, in walks Corey. And a week later, we were in the studio.
0: Honestly, uh, growing up in New Haven, I mean, I, I understood what Yale University was as far as the big scheme and one of the best colleges in the world. But it was, growing up, it, it was like, it, it was like two different worlds, you know. You know, I'd walk through the city, you know, as I come of age and I was able to travel about through the city. And, uh, you know, I would always, you know, be curious on what's on the other side of those long walls. But um, I never really, I never saw myself actually being on the inside. Um, I was just determined on acquiring a, a, a decent education, which I did, and um, making something positive in my life. My experience with, with school was more of out of uh, me just acquiring a bachelor's of arts and trying to figure out what I was going to do with it, mm-hmm. how I was going to implement all that hard work and tr- transform it into a career <clears throat> a career that was worthwhile mm-hmm. um ironically around that time i was a uh, seven at uh in the new haven public school systems at various schools uh, i was also uh a casual what is a per diem worker at yale university yale dining services so um i was kind of at a crossroads as far as career wise mm-hmm. and I must admit, uh, I sold out because <laughs> I took the, the one that was more um, lucrative as far as making money as opposed to a, a teaching career, which would probably not be as much money, but would be more rewarding in a in a, a fulfillment, you know, a fulfillment mm-hmm. type of way that you're actually contributing to others' well-being. So in that respect, I, I, I did, uh, I mean, I don't regret it, but I... Looking back, I I do realize that I kind of sold out. The space where I work, I I take a lot of pride in. It's only cleaning and to most people, I I had to face this question a a, a lot. Like, how do you take pride in washing dishes? Well, if it's something that you do every day, it's something you want to excel at and get better at, and you want to make it a better place for everyone, you know, if, you're, if you have that type of mentality, I'm, um, I try to stay humble, but I'm also a very prideful person, which just sounds like a contradiction, but it's an even balance that I try to maintain. Um, I take pride in what I do and I try to give my all, my best efforts in, in everything I do. So in that respect, you know, that space, is it, it, sort of secret to me because it's where I do what I do. It's what I do for a living. The students, they are the life force of a university. They're what makes it thrive. So, as a worker, you know, we we, we play a role as well, and I'm not downgrading what we do or what you guys do, but the relationship, it has to be We're there to assist the students in any way we can, even though it's a small part and it's dining, but your nutrition is a a vital part of anyone's life. So I take pride in trying to provide the best service for the students because the students are the life force of the university, you see what I'm saying? We keep, in a sense, we we take part in keeping the students going, which keeps the university going, so it's a vital part. And uh, the relationship, uh, I believe, I believe it's great. I mean, as far as my experience with students, I've never, I've never uh, experienced had a bad experience with students. You know, they're respectful. I'm respectful. They can be cordial and businesslike at the same time. So it's um, it's a beautiful thing.
3: When I got to Davenport, um, that is the
2: most I've ever felt um, a belonging in Yale. That's Shafrona Philippe Christie. She goes by Sha'f. She's a black woman with pro basketball player-like stature and a bellowing, contagious laugh. She's been a manager at different dining halls at Yale for 16 years, and she currently works at Davenport College.
3: When I went over to Davenport, the manager that was there before me had all these, so there's a, the office has this glass window, and there were all these things taped to the glass window that you couldn't see out, no one could see in. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. I pulled every piece down. My door is open. If you need to talk to me, whether it's my employee, you know, the head of college, the dean, any one of them, and my students. You can talk to me, you can walk in. I remember when the whole situation happened with, you know, the settlement situation, that email came out.
2: Okay, so I just have to cut in here to explain what Chaff's talking about. So two years ago, right before Halloween, an email was sent out to the student body cautioning students about racist Halloween costumes and cultural appropriation. Then a Yale administrator sent a response questioning the need for this email. And a lot of students felt that this response undermined the voices of minority students on campus, leading many students to feel angry and unwelcome. Okay, now back to Shaf.
3: That email came out, and I was downstairs in my office just before the beginning of dinner. And one of my students came down, and she said, can I talk to you? I said, sure, not a problem, have a seat. And she proceeded to tell me of how frustrated and angry and hurt she was by this situation. You, do you know how that made me feel like my student can actually trust me enough to talk to me, you know, to tell me how she feels, you know, being a woman of color, and I'm a woman of color, and I'm in a position where I'm the only woman of color in that department. And it was, it was so exhilarating. It was like, honey, I'm here. You know, I let her cry on my shoulder, cry on my shoulder. I have children, too. You know, I have kids in college. I want to know if something, and I'm not there, there's someone there they can talk to, Mm -hmm. you know, someone they can express their feelings, someone that, you know, would give them some good advice. And that's how I look at it. They're my children. That's how I've always looked at my position, not just a dining hall manager and running the dining hall and making sure that runs
2: smooth. But there's a whole lot more to it. Corey's perspective that the Yale dining community allows him and other dining employees to serve as a support system for the students was backed up by what Shaft told me. But I wanted to see what other employees really think about this community, whether or not it really exists and what the point of it all is. So I turned to a younger employee.
4: I think it's cool, like there's a, there's a few students that I've managed to make good friendships with and, um, and you know, we still speak even now that they graduated, mm-hmm. or students that's actually still in the university now, like I'm pretty good friends with.:
2: That's Neffa Castell. He's 26 years old and has been working at Yale Dining for six years. He's quite the personality.:
4: Yeah, I mean I'm, I think I'm fly.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm fly. <laughs> and I'm super duper fly,
4: fly. fly but like I said I have a personal relationship where I have a few students I'm cool with, right but the average worker don't have that relationship it's rare that a student and a, and a, and a um, worker actually are cool you know outside of work and I feel like it's the same way you know a worker might look at a student and say oh they don't understand my struggle or they don't understand who I am as a person. I think you guys might look at us the same way. And, it, and it's like we're people at the end of the day, right? It should be okay that you guys understand that we're just more than workers. Like we have a life outside of here. When you take this blue shirt off or whatever shirt off, we can dress up like you, you know? Or
2: even cooler. Yeah, yeah,
4: or even cooler, kinfolk, yeah.
2: <laughs> okay, so I was just teasing Neff about kinfolk and you're probably wondering what that is, but I'll let Neff explain.
4: I actually just started a clothing brand, it's called Kinfolk Clothing. My parents are Rastafarian, and ever since I was a kid, I was like really into like just black culture and just African culture. And uh, a few years ago, the idea came to mind. I'm like, you know, I always wanna find like a shirt with a power fist on it or something with some meaning behind it, and I wouldn't be able to find it, right? So I was like, well, last year I just decided I'm just gonna create my own brand. (laughs) I actually put it out, like, last month, and it's doing really well. Like, I've been getting a lot of support. I don't know if it's because of the controversy that's going on in, in the world right now, but people understand what I'm trying to do. And, and one of my logos, actually, I'm wearing it right now. So it's basically um, an African woman. She has an Afro, and she has a, a black earring and an ankh cross, right? It's an African cross as a tattoo on her arm, and she's pregnant with Africa. And what that describes to me, or what it means to me, is, like, a woman gave um, birth to a, a continent of people. Um, and I also feel like, not only in the, black, in the black community, but I feel like women in general are not giving their props for, for bringing us here, you know? So it's kinfolk clothing, and it's dope. It's dope. It's, it's like streetwear mixed with consciousness.
2: Streetwear mixed with consciousness. When I think about it now, I realize this captures Neff's worldview perfectly streetwear everyday life everyday conversation mixed with consciousness this added layer of thoughtfulness neff's just able to joke around one minute and then be serious the next we talked about a variety of things his experience leaving jamaica where he grew up and moving to the united states when he was only 9 years old
4: um i think it was it was a culture shock um Because everything was so different, you know, like growing up there, it's more like it's really hard life and a lot of people live under poverty line. So it it was it was tough to get used to the fast pacedness of, um, of the U.S.
2: He told me about going to New Haven Public Schools and then going to college.
4: I went to Gateway Community College, which is downtown.
2: And we also talked about what it was like growing up in New Haven and how residents navigate the presence of a large institution like Yale University.
4: I think it's just a bad relationship because of ignorance, um, I think on both part. I think with us, um, like the New Haven residents, when we think of Yale, we think of like, and I'm just gonna be honest and be blunt, rich, naughty kids that, you know, that got it all and they're super privileged, but as I I started to work here, like I said, I I built a great relationship with some students and it's not even really the case. You're going to have people from different backgrounds with different belief systems, but people are people at the end of the day.
2: It's difficult to define the relationship between Yale University and its home city, New Haven. Both Neff and Corey point out the divide that exists between the two communities. Many economic issues in New Haven can be traced back to the effects of deindustrialization in the 80s, with results still being felt today. According to the United States Census Bureau, the percentage of persons in poverty in 2016 was 26.6%. It's impossible not to compare that number to Yale's $25.41 billion endowment. $25.41 billion. It's a disparity that reaches beyond economic differences. Some New Haven residents, even ones who work at Yale, sometimes feel excluded from conversations that are deemed Yale-only, like the recent controversy surrounding the renaming of Calhoun College. The namesake of this college, John C. Calhoun, graduated from Yale in 1804, was a United States senator, and was the vice president from 1825 to 1832. He used his office to advocate for slavery and white supremacy. On February 11th, 2017, Yale President Peter Salovey announced that the university would rename Calhoun College to honor Grace Murray Hopper. Yolanda, who we heard from earlier, shared her views on this. I'm glad they changed the name. I'm really glad because,
1: especially being African-American, and I've been here so long, I've, had, I've seen a lot, I've endured a lot, And a lot of times when you say things it goes on deaf ears and then it's like what do you do you still have to provide for your family you still have to make a living but we um working in here like the students i mean it was amazing it was awesome that they decided to get together and change the name but could you imagine being an employee, working here, mm-hmm. and having to endure things every single day? And I used to do, I used to work the night shift. I used to be the night desk attendant. And all these windows, they would cover this stuff. Like, like this This is this is good. This is the good stuff. Mm-hmm. But there used to be pictures of nooses. There used to be, I mean, we have endured a lot. And, 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 and you know, sometimes you feel like, well, what about us? What about us? Like, why was it cool all this time for you to have us? We, and, and I guess they look at it like, you have a choice. You, you don't have to work here. But the only thing I say is, I got a choice to take care of my family or not. But just, just like, I don't know about other colleges, but just here in particular. We've been a lot.
2: You may be wondering why she mentions the windows in the dining hall, what they have to do with changing the name, and how this all relates to what she has had to endure while working in a space whose namesake was John C. Calhoun. Well, when Calhoun College was opened in 1932, stained glass windows with racist depictions adorned the dining hall and other rooms. And by 2016, some of those images still remained including one showing black slaves harvesting cotton in the fields these images infuriated both the Yale students and dining employees which is why many have been vocal for years to have Calhoun College change the name.
4: Calhoun does not deserve his name. change the name 83 years of racist shame change
2: the name Racism lives and yells to blame. Change the name. Take down those racist window panes. Change the name. Racism lives and yells to blame. Change the name. Take down those racist window panes. Change the name. This is audio taken at a rally on February 11, 2017, right before the decision was made by the Yale Corporation to change the name. A group of New Haven community members and activists stood alongside a group of Yale students, urging the corporation to reconsider its April 2016 decision not to rename Calhoun College. So you may be wondering why the Change the Name movement resurged just a few months after the corporation made this initial decision not to change the name. What happened between April 2016 and February 2017 to make the Yale Corporation reconsider its decision?
0: I had the incident over the summer where I, uh, I was presented with, I, I, I did something, I broke a rule.
2: Corey Menefee, who we heard from earlier, made national headlines on July 11, 2016, when he smashed the stained glass window in the Calhoun College dining hall that depicted slaves picking cotton. As one of the conditions of his rehiring, he's unable to talk about the incident as he refers to it but he did kind of talk around the incident.
0: The significance of what I did was I allowed the city of New Haven to be involved in something, uh, an issue at Yale University, which I kind of like brought the two together. So uh, I guess in that way, you know, I'm thankful that I had, I was able to make a positive impact and to bring two two different uh, entities together.
2: Corey's not the only one who sees the Change the Name movement as evidence of a shifting Yale-New Haven relationship. Neff, the employee with the clothing brand, who we met earlier, explains.
4: The situation that happened at um, Calhoun showed you that, you know, the students actually do care about issues that we're facing. Because at the end, then when you guys leave after four years or however long you choose to stay afterwards, we still have to deal with it because we live in this city. Mm-hmm. But for someone to actually try to take a stance, or multiple people try to take a stance, it shows that, okay, you guys care about what's going on in our city, you know? It's unfortunate that it took a situation like Corey to actually break the glass for change to happen, but sometimes somebody has to step up, you know? Someone has to step up and do something about it.
2: So there you have it, Yale dining in much of its complexities. After interviewing and researching, and reflecting on those interviews and my research, I realized that the Yale dining space is not as clear-cut as it seems. A lot of the issues often go back to race, or issues that underlie the relationship between New Haven and Yale. It's complicated because, well, there are two different communities, the Yale community and the New Haven community. And I guess at times, Dining is kind of a space where these communities come together, but sometimes it's awkward and it's forced, and it doesn't really create some cohesion that it's maybe supposed to create. Especially when it feels like this community is not supporting everybody. But sometimes, I guess, it creates positive change when people come together and when someone steps up.
4: Step up Step up Step up, time. step up, yo. Step up,
2: step Undergraduate Admissions was produced in English 471 at Yale University. Special thanks to our professor, Mark Oppenheimer, and our audio gurus, Brian Paws and Phoebe Petrovic. I would also like to thank my brother, Alan, for helping me hone in my narrative skills. And also Yolanda, Corey, Schaff, and Neff. If you want to check out any of Neff's awesome designs,
4: you check my Instagram out at kinfolk underscore clothing with a K uh, twenty seventeen.
2: To hear more episodes, check us out at uapodcast.com. If you have any questions or comments, shoot us an email at contact at uapodcast.com. Thanks for listening.